Well, hello and welcome to another episode of EKU Online's eCast series. EKU Online's mission is to change lives by providing access to affordable and high quality degree programs in meaningful disciplines that positively impact our society. We thank you for joining us. Today, our special guest is Dr. Jim Fatzinger, a tenure track faculty member in the College of Business and Technology and an adjunct instructor for the Vanderbilt School of Engineering Online. Prior to being recruited to EKU, he served as a presidential fellow at Auburn University. He holds a doctorate of education from Vanderbilt's Peabody College of Education and an MBA and BBA from the University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida. Prior to finishing his first doctorate, Dr. Fatzinger completed postgraduate work in history, politics, and society at the University of Oxford. In 2009, he completed the Harvard University Institute for Management and Leadership in Education. Welcome, Dr. Fatzinger. Hey, Steve, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning and especially want to say thank you to you. Uh, we couldn't do what we do uh, without your tremendous support, so without the hard work of the instructional designers and also some uh, A-plus facilitators which come out of your team. So thanks for everything you do for us on a daily basis. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, Dr. Fatsinger, you have a very impressive bio, one that covers a wide range of disciplines. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you pursue all of these various opportunities? Absolutely, Steve. Uh, there are three stories uh, that I like to share uh, with my online students uh, related to, to, the, to the past and to that progression uh, over a lifetime. Uh, and the first was when I was a junior and senior in college, very similar to where some of our students uh, are at online. Uh, my first job was uh, working in the airline industry. Uh, and it was suiting and proper because my first word was plane. Uh, we lived on the approach corridor to uh, Hollywood International Airport. And my parents would always uh, point up and they didn't want mom or dad to come first. So they'd point up and they'd say plane. And uh, my first uh, career was in the airline industry. And uh, as I was working full time, similar to what most of our students are doing, uh, there was an, a pilot who attempted to gain access uh, to the flight deck illegally. He was using false credentials. And being a junior or senior, uh, we, we had seen some of those false credentials moving around the campus. And I thought to myself, you know, something doesn't feel right here. And we were able to stop him and he went to federal prison. And what we don't know was his motivation for attempting to gain access to the cockpit. But uh, even as a junior or senior, where it seems like you're still getting your feet wet and you're still finding that, that career, uh, we were able to stop something from potentially happening uh, that uh, was not something that we wanted to happen. Uh, so that, was, that would kind of be the first monumental moment that, that occurred while, uh, while still an undergrad uh, and something that's uh, one of my proudest accomplishments today. Uh, the second story that I often tell is I was flying again on an airplane working in the airline industry and sat next to a gentleman who began to ask uh, unusual questions like if you were the CEO of Southwest tomorrow, uh, how would you respond to market conditions? Uh, how do you think American Airlines should then respond? And I thought, wow, these are these are case studies that are taking place here. But I, I was able to respond because I was keeping up with my industry. And when we landed, he turned his business card upside down in his hand and he said, I'm one of the chief pilots for American Airlines and uh, I want you to come work for me. And uh, with that opportunity, I flew on the flight decks of most of the aircraft in American Airlines fleet uh, around the world and produced the uh, chief pilot's resource manual. 
So a second lesson that I tell to the students is you never know when you're going to sit next to the chief pilot or your dream job uh, of someone sitting next to you. Always be prepared. And then the, the third is uh, another fun story about that, the way I found my way to Eastern. Uh, and I get to work with a fantastic team uh, here today. Uh, I sat next to our executive and resident in my doctoral program, and we just became friends. Uh, you know, shared stories, uh, shared uh, commiserated uh, when the assignments were tough. And uh, ultimately, he said, I'd love for you to come and work in the bluegrass. And that's the way I found myself on the team today. So those relationships that we build over time uh, can have a uh, influential impact on your career and can lead to great places. That, those are fascinating stories. And uh, what, what valuable lessons to learn early in life, too. That's, that's great. And uh, sharing that with your students um, can have a profound impact on their future. So thank you for sharing those. Let's talk about teaching online a little bit, Dr. Fatzinger. What do you enjoy most about that mode of education and how did you learn to do it so effectively? Never stop learning. Uh, so the way, that, uh, the, the way that I've learned to engage my students uh, and, uh, and work with them is uh, by trying new techniques uh, and technologies. Uh, is sometimes we stub our toe together as a class and we'll quickly modify that and say, okay, let's try something different. Uh, sometimes things go exceptionally well and we bring it back into the next course. Uh, new, no, no class uh, will ever be the same uh, twice in a row. And we really capitalize on the experience of the students uh, who are in the online environment. And to the first part of your question, that's probably one of the uh, most fun things that I think about teaching online is uh, being able to engage with students around the world uh, right here in Lexington and, and Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, EKU is an institution of opportunity and teaching online provides us the uh, opportunity to offer all those students who are in our courses opportunities from learning from us and opportunities from learning from each other and uh, the opportunity to uh, experiment and test new modalities uh, that our students won't only use in the online classroom with us, but they'll use every day uh, in, their, in their jobs as uh, corporations are moving online and testing some of the same technologies we are, and that they'll use in how they apply responding to a new technology after they graduate with technologies that we don't even know exist yet. Well, this term, I noticed you're teaching Management 300, Principles of Management, and Management 370, Operations Management, both online. And as I looked at the courses, what really struck me was how inviting they are. For example, in Management 300, you begin each module with, a, with really a striking photo of a swimmer, which carries with it this thematic purpose that I can tell in your class. But can you tell us a little bit more about these courses and what you do to leverage the interest in the content? Absolutely. And, and Steve, that means a lot that you went in and took a look. So I, I'm glad you, you've come. And I'd, I'd say welcome to anyone who might be watching this video. I'd love to have you in class. Uh, the swimming example actually comes from this semester where I, I recognize that we had 154 students uh, in the course. And they were students from around the globe. Uh, so I had one student who was in Taiwan who offered a very unique international perspective. Students deployed in the military services around the world and students right here in uh, Lexington and Richmond. And with those different cultures in the classroom, think back to the first time we learned to swim. We, we all have memories uh, of that learning to swim experience. Uh, there are some positive 
uh, and some negative. I remember I used to adjust the clock uh, in my parents' home so that they would think that uh, we missed swim practice. And I'd say, I'll do anything so that I don't have to go learn how to swim. Well, it, that, then there was that sense of accomplishment when we, we finally learned how to swim. And everyone can, can relate to that, no matter what country you're in, uh, no matter uh, where you're taking the course from. So we start there. We start there with those common feelings of learning how to swim. And we tie it back to a, a lesson that's actually featured in leadership lessons uh, from the 52nd floor. And that is there was a very famous general uh, that came to uh, address a, a class of management students. And he opened his presentation uh, with an opening that said, you can't learn management and leadership from a book. And of course, when the students heard that, they, they were ready to give him a standing ovation because they thought the course was over with that semester. And, and the professor kind of slumped down in the back of the room like, uh-oh, I don't know where this is going. And he said, you can learn the strokes and the techniques from a book. And then when you learn how to swim, you can apply the strokes and the techniques. You can learn from your mistakes and you can practice. And that's what we bring to the, the Management 300 courses. I'm gonna teach you about the historical theories and where we found errors and mistakes in those theories. And every day our students, uh, or at least on average 84% of our students are going to be out working in the workplace and they're going to apply those techniques and they're gonna try and they're gonna learn and they're gonna fail. And at the end of the course, uh, our course culminated uh, with uh, Tim Hinchy, the uh, president and CEO of USA Swimming, the organization that's ultimately responsible for selecting our athletes, who came in and spoke to our students. And he said, one, I'd like to tell you, you've made a great choice uh, in selecting EKUE online. And two, I want to tell you where I have learned over the course of my career every step of the way, sometimes from successes and sometimes from failures. And that's the type of real-world application that we want to we want to bring into the uh, online learning environment here at EKU. Now, I understand that the level of engagement that you have with your students is beyond excellent; it's exceptional, and this comes directly from uh, the instructional designer that works with you. Please tell us, if you would, what methods or tools you use to keep students highly engaged in an online course because it's so easy to get disinterested or forget about your online class or whatever but how do you keep students really engaged in it i, I think at least half of the richness of the course is <laughs> uh is what our students uh bring to the course so i want to get to know each one of them uh on an individual basis i want to know where they're working uh, I want to know what their fears are I, in that COI model as we apply that to the online classroom. I want to know uh, where they have some fear in their next promotion, uh, where they have some struggles that are going on. And it takes a couple of modules uh, to develop that safe space in the class where students feel comfortable talking about that, their best of times and their worst of times. And in getting to know the students and then applying material from theory to what they're going through on a daily basis and allowing them to test those theories, try those theories, it allows us to engage with the content in a truly special way. And then we take Qualtrics, uh, our survey instruments, and we regularly assess where the students are at so that they can talk about what their motivations are uh, when we study motivation. Uh, when we talk about uh, wellness and what we're learning uh, about wellness in the workplace right now, uh, I, I want to know how stressed they are so I can say, on average, here's what our class reports. And in these Zoom times, you're reporting that you're exhausted. 
And you know what, we, we're exhausted too. So what we have to figure out is if we're starting from a place of exhaustion, how do you continue to move forward and be successful, recognizing that uh, people around the world are reporting some of the same things that you are, and we build on that to engage the material in a meaningful way, no matter where you're at, if you're a troop deployed, uh, if you're in a country far away, or if you're right here at home uh, experiencing you online. When you notice a student becoming disengaged, they, they suddenly don't do some of their assignments or, you know, something they were doing on a regular basis now has stopped. What do you do to try to re-engage that student? I'm so happy you asked the question because in the academy, uh, we, we take a lot of criticism uh, that things that happen in the academy are specific to the academy, but they don't apply to work. It's a very, I take this approach that's very similar to an employee who is working on my team uh, in the airlines or in, a, in another area. And that is, if I see a, uh, an employee disengaging, the first thing that I do is I ask them why. I want them to know that I'm more interested in them and their success. And secondarily, I'm interested in why they're disengaging. But if we can find out what's going on and I can help in any way, then we can work on that re-engagement together just by that person knowing I really do care about them. Of course, I care about my course. Of course, I care about the content. But first of all, I want to know what's going on with them. So I start with why, and then we work together on a solution that we can work together uh, with, on, and for, similar to what we do in the, in the workplace. Do you have an example of a success story of that, of that occurring? Yeah, let me, let me think of one that I can also uh, maintain confidentiality. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a student who had, had disengaged because they had gotten a new, uh, a new supervisor uh, at work. Uh, noticed their disengagement. Uh, you know, week one, it, it may have been equated to a 10 or 20% drop. Uh, so kept an eye on it, but you know, we all have bad days and good days. So 10, 20%, okay, maybe it was just a bad week, a bad day. Uh, the next week, it was absolutely no engagement in the modules whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the class, uh, I'll reach out and I'll say, uh, please provide me with your cell phone uh, and know that uh, your instructor will not call you just to say hello uh, or say, how's life going? But uh, if, if things start to get kind of wonky, I, I'll reach out to you. Uh, and in that second week, I dropped him a call and got the voicemail and just left him a message and say, hey, this is your uh, Management 300 instructor. I'm just reaching out to see how life is going. Uh, when, they, when I got the phone call back, it, it started with thank you so much for being concerned and thinking about me and did a lot of listening in that conversation and ultimately led to, hey, I've got a new boss. Uh, this is what's happening. And I said, you know what, in this next module, we're going to cover some things about supervision. And I was able to re-engage the students simply by what was going on in their workplace. Well, that's, that's amazing that you took the time to actually call this student, to reach out to, to him or her, and to really work through that situation. That's, that's exceptional. And that's, that's one reason we wanted a chance to talk with you, because uh, you do have a track record of just exceptional engagement with your students. So thank you for that. Thanks, Steve. How would you compare, Dr. Fatzinger, and compare and contrast the traditional age college student and the adult learner that one typically finds in online programs? And do you do anything differently to engage those two populations? Yes, uh, no matter where you're at in the course, I wanna meet you uh, with something that's helpful. So uh, e even in face-to-face -face when we have the opportunity in these pre-COVID times uh, to teach face-to-face, -face, the 18 to 24 year old, 
that we have as the traditional age student in the classroom uh, is going to bring a knowledge of technology, uh, which is exceptional uh, and sometimes better than the professor. And when I see a new technology or I hear a new application being used, I want to find out how, when I hear about it, we can bring it into the class and use it as a learning tool. So in the face-to-face -face classroom, I, I don't want students to put their cell phones away. I want them to use their cell phones. Uh, and I want to figure out how the latest applications they're using, we can incorporate into the curriculum in the class. And even when we have non-traditional students in the classroom, oftentimes you'll hear them in an in area that's safe say, uh, tell me a little bit more about that application because I've got a son or a daughter who's about your age and, and I've heard so, some use of that and I, I wanna know what that's all about. So we have that, that open exchange uh, and it goes a long way. And in the non-traditional student, even online, which we, we know that our average online student is 32 years old. So uh, a little bit older than the 18 to 24 year old. And uh, I'd, I'd almost put that as the median age for what I've experienced in my, my online courses, but on a national average, uh, 32 years old. I, I want that older student that's in the classroom to feel comfortable sharing their stories, to saying, you know, I remember when I went out and I made this mistake and I, I want the younger generation to lean forward in their chairs and listen and say, I wanna learn from that mistake so that I don't do the same thing. Or for that 32 year old or better who's in a supervisory position, I want them to say, hey, you know what? I wanna hire you uh, when we're done with this course because I've built a relationship that's been so successful in this environment that I want you to come work on my team when it's over with. So I think there are opportunities for engaging both the 18 to 24 year old and those who are older in the classroom with that rich experience that they bring to the classroom environment. And the way we do that is by getting to know everyone and where they're at and by providing opportunities for them to share in an open and comfortable place. Well, Dr. Fetzinger, what would you say to a prospective student who, were, who was visiting our campus and they were to come to, up to you and ask you, why should I get a management degree from EKU? And the second part is, why should I do it online? What would you say to them? I think everybody should have the opportunity to experience business in the bluegrass. Uh, it is a very special niche and uh, there, there's something very special that EKU brings. And that is we are known as an institution of opportunity, but it's very hard to quantify that when you're in a room of kernels together other than the spirit and pride, except that that opportunity means something different to every individual and that different uh, opportunity is what makes EKU unique. It might be the opportunity for a troop who's in Afghanistan, uh, who is on the front line to engage successfully uh, in Management 300. Uh, it might be an 18 to 24 year old who just lost their job, uh, who is uh, providing for their family at home in addition to taking principles of management, uh, who has to engage in a class in a unique way while they're also looking for, for new career opportunities. Wherever you are at in your life, now is the time for you to come back. And if your goal is an education, our goal is that you reach yours. Our goal is that we provide those opportunities and we meet you where you're at as an institution of opportunity. And business in the bluegrass is particularly special because we can provide those opportunities now, not to anyone who's down the street, not to anyone who's just in our service region or in the Commonwealth, but we can provide those opportunities being an institution of opportunity to students around the globe. 
So now is the right time for you to come back and engage with eOnline. And now's the opportunity for uh, a student who wanted to know more about management to learn more about the opportunities that we offer in management and how you can apply what you learn in the field of management while studying here at EKU. Well, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, Dr. Fatsinger, and sure. something I learned about you that is absolutely fascinating to me is that you are a member of the International Swimming Hall of Fame USA Water Polo Team. Now, tell us about that, because that, that is just very interesting to me. Uh, it's true, uh, and uh, out, of, uh, out of challenge also comes opportunity. Uh, so we talked about swimming earlier, uh, and uh, I just couldn't get my form. Uh, as well as it could be in the water, but I had a lot of strength uh, in the water. So ultimately my swim coach, after a few uh, fun uh, practices uh, in water polo said, you really need to pursue water polo gym because uh, you can use that strength. And we know that so much happens under the water in water polo uh, as, it, as, it does above, uh, as it does above. So uh, I was selected uh, to serve on the International Swing Hall of Fame USA water polo team. And we, we were uh, playing in Sweden uh, during uh, what was the Stockholm Water Festival. Uh, and not only were we engaged in water polo, but we were building relationships while we were over there. Uh, and we took on the Swedes in several matches and it was an opportunity to learn as much about strategy and teamwork uh, as it was the actual game. And so many of our, our athletes will tell you the same thing. Uh, we had several matches and the Swedes had much more depth on the bench, uh, being that they had the uh, home court advantage. Uh, so they started with a, a significant number of members on their second string and in the first match. And we had our first string in on the first match and we got tired. So by the time we made it to the second match, they not only kept some of their second string in, but they put in their first string. Uh, and we learned uh, just how important strategy was in the game. And by the, the third match, uh, we were uh, using um, segments from the Beatles Revolution in number nine. Uh, as part of our strategy to identify the, the shooters, uh, some of the wings and some of the flats uh, and use the psychological advantage to our advantage. Uh, so we built those relationships and uh, I think the fun rest of the story is some of those players even came back and visited us with us in the United States uh, when we were done. Uh, but it was a unique and special experience and still have lifelong friends from that team. Do you still play? Uh, not enough. Uh, I've, I've picked up that administrator 10 and I've got to roll those tires backwards uh, in order to be as effective as I once was. <laughs> well, that, that's fascinating. Um, one of the fun things about doing these podcasts is, is learning uh, the depth and the breadth of uh, interests that our faculty have in the things they've experienced. And this one just really caught my attention. Uh, uh, in Kentucky, water polo is not a big, big sport. We, I mean, there, we don't have a lot going on. So when I saw that, I thought, wow, that is, that is something really cool. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks for asking about it. <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience, Dr. Fatsinger? Anything that comes to mind about online or about your discipline or more about your polo playing, water polo playing? I would think if there's anyone out there who's uh, who's thinking about uh, pursuing online and, and maybe uh, online education uh, and maybe you have a little bit of hesitation right now, I, I'd say welcome back. Uh, and to EKU, uh, this can be your home. Uh, even more than welcome back, welcome home. 
we'd love to have you. And if, if you're experiencing trepidation now, uh, as it relates to our discipline, we know that a lot of the pre-COVID times uh, won't return to the same. Uh, we have uh, corporations like Amazon and Microsoft who have realized uh, that uh, their employees can work from home. Uh, they can implement measures and assessments, uh, and those employees can be as effective or even more effective uh, in working at home as they can be in the office. So if someone is out there and they're experiencing trepidation about being online, this is the perfect environment for you to work through, learn new techniques and learn new strategies because it won't be long until on a regular basis with new technologies, uh, we're applying the, the strategies and techniques that we're using online um, in the corporate workspace. And uh, many of the corporations are, are recognizing that now. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, says that on average, uh, the later baby boom generation had 12.3 uh, jobs and uh, over the span of a lifetime. And what we can recognize is we're preparing our students for jobs that, that don't yet exist. Uh, Virgin Atlantic is building a spaceport right now uh, in New Mexico. So we know that space operations is gonna impact our supply chains uh, mineral mining, uh, and even space tourism in the future. So if you are out there and you're considering a place where you can go back and pursue your career online, welcome home. We want you at EKU. Well, thank you, Dr. Fassinger. This has been an interesting discussion, and I just want you to know how much we appreciate your time this afternoon. Steve, thank you.